The evil of corruption reaches into every corner of the world. Corruption lies at the heart of the most urgent problems we face. Welcome to Confidential Brief, where Chad Thomas takes you into the stories behind the issues facing our society. You know, this is the Confidential Brief. It's just past midday on this Monday, the 16th of May, 2022. My name is Chad Thomas, and I'm so glad to be with you. Today, we're going to be chatting about addiction and its contribution to social ills and crime. Joining us in the studio today is Charles Panty and Keen Ludic. They're from an organization called Reto. We're going to be chatting to them in a couple of minutes about what their organization does in respect to the treatment of addicts and helping them overcome their addiction we all know the social ills we've seen it um i don't think anybody in our in our community hasn't stopped at a traffic light and seen somebody coming up to them and begging for money and later seen those same people huddled in a group together doing something which could only be smoking yope or something else that that uh, is nefarious and it's just it's just getting out of hand and it's something that really needs to be addressed and it really is a social problem we can't look at it purely from a criminal perspective we need to find ways to address this I'd like to remind you that the views expressed on the show aren't necessarily those of myself um, or that of the management of High FM. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. At the beginning of this year, I promised you that each and every month, one of our shows would feature a non-profit organization that's making a difference in the communities. Today, we're going to be chatting to Charles Panty and Keen Ludic from the Reto Association. Before we get chatting to them, I want to tell you a little bit about Reto. Reto is a non-profit organization that was born in May 1985 in Cantabria, Spain, with a goal to help people who suffer from drug addiction problems. Over time, demand has increased and Reto currently has centers in over 36 countries and has been in Johannesburg, South Africa for over 11 years. The existence of Reto has as its main purpose the moral, cultural, material and spiritual means to help people belonging to various socially marginalized groups, especially drug addicts. This help is normally voluntary and personalized and meets the needs of each individual. In addition to the field of drug addiction, the Reto Association has expanded its work to help other needy groups for both men and women. In supporting these individuals, Reto has two second-hand shops located in Benoni and Orange Grove, which sells donated items with the purpose of generating income, which is used to cover the expenses in helping people in need. Reto believe that the individual struggling due to addiction can attain a life free from this burden. They like to share with those who choose to fight and overcome the snare that has been holding them down and to walk a road dedicated to helping them. It sounds amazing, and we know that there are so many organizations out there really trying to make a difference. Sometimes it's just difficult to understand how these organizations came about and whether they are in fact doing the right work. An organization like this has been around since 1985 and is in 36 countries, so they must be doing something right. We're very fortunate today that one of the gentlemen joining us, Charles Panty, has been in this organization for many years. He was originally from Ghana. When he was 17, he went to Italy, sadly fell into an addiction problem which lasted for many, many years. We're talking severe addiction. We're talking about crack cocaine. We're talking about heroin. And then... He joined or became a part of Reto, and I'd love to hear a bit of his story. Charles, a very warm welcome to Chai FM. Thanks very much. Um, as you've been saying, uh, my name is Charles Panty. Originally, I'm from Ghana and from a social, a normal uh, family. The question was, uh, my father was a university professor, 
My mother used to do a retail uh, marketing. She used to go to Italy and she buys and then we retail in Ghana. So just after high school, I developed a, a sense of, you know, traveling. So I went to Italy at the age of 17 just for tourism and then coming back to Ghana to continue education. At 32 days, I knew an Italian girl, a blonde, you know, say, show me your friend and I'll show you whom you are. I just associated with the girl and uh, my life went into addiction. Uh, she was a drug addict, uh, very common that time, 1984 in Italy. I found a solution, solution, solution. Actually, I couldn't. Um, at the end of the 18 years, my life went into, I mean, bad, worse, 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 worse. And I was falling onto prison, prison, prison for the last four years before getting into an association where a help could be offered. I went to jail for almost 11 times. That'd be a lot of times. Anytime I come out from jail, I, I try not to smoke, but then nothing. The desire was there and nothing could take out that desire. So, so when you talk about in and out of prison, was this to support the crack cocaine and heroin? What were you doing that you were landing up in prison the whole time? Uh, normally I used to sell the drugs. Um, the drugs, it got to a time uh, I couldn't control the selling again. I was owing a lot of people, so I became, uh, I, I was also consuming a lot. Yeah. So consuming a lot, it took me on to that, that part of uh, stealing and uh, doing so many you know, bad things and the way I always get myself into a crime. Yeah. I always get into crime. So how did you get out of it? How did you find this organization? Did this organization find you? Was there an individual that became inspirational? Because you're talking about 18 years of addiction, then suddenly this change comes about. How? I used to hang around in a square in Italy. Originally, I live in Rome. And uh, for the last four years, I went to Naples. So I was uh, hooked in a square, and in that square there was a, a police kennel who actually used to come and uh, rescue the people onto rehabilitation programs. So once I came out from jail, and then I had a, I had a, I think a pending case of ten months that have to be fulfilled in jail. So when the man got me for breaking out the house arrest, instead of taking me to jail, uh, he said, no, look, you've been a naughty person. You've been someone um, up and down. Yeah, so this time I will offer you a chance. So he just dropped me at the gate of uh, a reto in Italy. Let's talk about the spiritual aspect of, and the faith-based part of addiction and coming to grips with it. Our, our station broadcasts primarily from a Jewish platform. I've been on stations that broadcast from a Muslim platform. You come from a Christian background. Are we finding that people are drifting away from their religion? They're drifting away from their families. They're drifting away from their culture and finding a new identity uh, within these groups. And they're using drugs as a, as, a, as a new mechanism for them to, I don't know, experience something else. What, what, why do you think we're seeing such an explosion in drug use and people departing the way they were brought up, departing those religious upbringings? So it's all concerning our, our desires, and it's all concerning the community we live in, and it's all also about whom we associate with. You see, my case, for instance, when I went to the center, I realized I saw 
the people there being different, you know? people who have uh, ages in uh, years uh, being addicts. Yeah? But then they've placed their faith in Jesus Christ, and this actually inspired me. Yeah? This actually inspired me wanting also you know, to come out from that entanglement. Yeah? This was uh, just a, it was a desire yeah? because I needed, I needed a change. So what you're saying is, Addicts need help from their communities, from their respective faith-based organizations. It's not something that they can overcome alone. It's a journey that they have to take with somebody and with this belief in a higher power. I believe, I believe, I, I believe this for, for my own experience. If I've, if I've been to jail for 11 times and any time I come back, I still insisted, I promised myself I'm not going to take drugs again and I still get there, then automatically I need a supernatural power. This actually brought that faith, yeah, because over 11 years I see myself very tired and then I wanted a change. I needed a change and nothing could help apart from the faith I saw in other people. Now, you became an active member of this organization to the extent that you left Italy and you began to mission, which is why you landed up in South Africa 11 odd years ago. What brought you to South Africa and what did you find in South Africa? Uh, actually, as I live in Italy, I knew the grounds of Italy. So the organization actually helped me to transport me to where? To Spain. There I saw the faith that I needed to change. And uh, after 11 years, there was a vision that someone uh, email uh, wrote concerning uh, help that South Africa is in a match in addiction and thereby if there be a need uh, for an organization extending on to South Africa, I volunteered. I said, okay, if that is the case, so a friend of mine called Nacho Ochoa, we set up a journey and we came to uh, South Africa. In those 11 years, could you estimate how many people have, have come through your doors looking for help? I can estimate a lot of people, a lot of people, but you see, see, many are called, but few are chosen. You know, people come with a need, but tomorrow when you expose the faith of Christ Jesus, actually it brings them, you know, people still want to continue doing their own thing. Yeah? Because in Christ, I don't think... Um, we can mingle up smoking and other things, you know. We need a spiritual life. We need a spiritual life. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk more about faith-based organizations across the spectrum, whether it's Christian, whether it's Jewish, whether it's Muslim. Um, even if we look at other faiths, um, such as, 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 as the Buddhists, they, they've all got these, these, these programs in place. And I believe it's so important for people to become community orientated and the importance that faith-based organizations can play. We're going to be back straight after this break. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Today we're chatting about the importance of helping addicts overcome their addiction through community assistance, faith-based organizations, and different means that, that are available. One of the organizations making a difference in South Africa is an organization known as Retta. Joining us today is Charles and Keen, and we're now going to be chatting to Keen a little bit about his journey. Keen, um, you're a South African. You and I had a short chat a while ago, which is the reason why we're chatting to you guys today, and you have a story to tell. But before we get there, I want to ask you this, and it's a very important question. In respect of people that come through the doors of the organization looking for help or whose families have turned to you, could you estimate 
how many of these addicts have turned to crime in a way to try fund their addictions and why is crime the easy way for these guys to try find money um, Chad yes thank you for having us here today it's um, as a as an addict myself also being uh, in addiction for 15 years I can definitely relate to answering that question you know when I entered the doors of, of Reta as well a few years ago I I myself was active in these kind of activities I dedicated a lot of my time especially the four years before entering Reto, uh, into these kind of activities. To answer, give you an accurate answer would be difficult, but I can tell you that uh, a person that is in full-time addiction spends a lot of time and a lot of effort in trying to attain the drugs that he desires to have. He will go to far lengths to, to get that and to, to get the next fix, as you want to call it like that. I can relate to my own life. I can relate to the decisions I used to make. I can relate to the way that my way of thinking and the kind of people that we were hanging out with it was just looking back now with a better perspective i can say surely my life has changed dramatically just in that aspect in terms of my daily routine and the, and the decisions i make so yes i would say that most most addicts definitely participate in a criminal activity if it becomes a, a full-time addiction because i can look at my own life and the decisions i used to do so let's talk about a full-time addiction. Let's look at a common example of what happens with an addict. In South Africa, we have massive unemployment. We have youth that don't aspire to achieve very much because they can see that there aren't job opportunities out there. A lot of them we've seen turn to alcohol, some turn to drugs. We've seen a massive spike in teenage pregnancies. So it becomes a vicious circle. You have these unemployed youth that start off drinking or drugging as a means of escape and now they need to start paying for this their families aren't necessarily moneyed so they need to find money in order to to support this habit where do they go from there how how do they land up at your doorstep what what would you describe the average life of an addict from when addiction starts to when they go into some form of recovery Chad, I can tell you what happened in my life, um, and maybe someone can relate. But for me, life was, I, I grew up in a perfectly normal functioning family. Um, I just started making very bad decisions at the age of 19, 20, and I ended up in a 15-year downward spiral because of addiction. And at the end, it was not just the alcohol, but it was, at the end, it turned out to be prescription medication and a bunch of other things as well. And the decisions I was making, it was pulling me down into this dark pit. And with these decisions and with the addiction, I found myself in and out of hospital with fits. And because when you mix certain uh, substances together, you start getting fits. And I, I found myself in and out of hospital eight times in three months. My last fit, my, my heart actually stopped beating. I, they had to resuscitate me in my mother's lounge. I woke up in ICU. My life was down and out. I was to the point of death, and I literally turned at the, de at, the, at the point of death. And when I came conscious, I made a decision that, listen, I need help. And I sought after a social worker. I got in touch with, with the organization. I made the necessary phone calls. I linked up. And the way I got into this organization, I always tell the people it was a miracle. I wasn't supposed to be there. I, it was on the 1st of May, 2018. I was desperate, I was out, and I realized that my direct influence 
is bad influence. The people in my direct environment uh, is not good influence for me. And it was a moment of light. And I did something I would say I never did before. And I, and I prayed sincerely and I asked Jesus Christ to help me. And that same evening, I received a phone call of someone picking me up and taking me to an organization called Reto. This was four years ago. I came at the doorsteps of Reto and there I was exposed to something that I've never been exposed to before in my life. And just in the conduct of the people, I could see something is different. And my answer to my prayer was answered that day. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about drug addicts finding a new community that's faith-based. What makes it so different? Why couldn't they find that peace at home with their families? Why couldn't they find that peace with their friends? Or had they damaged those relationships so badly they needed this community, they needed this faith-based organization's help? It's, a, it's not as easy to answer that as one would think because, like I said in the beginning, that I come from a perfectly normal functioning family. So your family also would step back and think, but what, are, what have I done wrong for Keen to become like this? And it's a normal question for family members to ask this, but it's got nothing to do with them. Your, your decisions is solely your responsibility. It's a decision you have made. And when you move your environment, in my case, when I moved my environment and I came into an environment where things were done in a specific way, when it, where it's in line with the Word of God, I could see there's a difference. And because of someone's conduct, because of the way people deal with conflict, as an example, or how they deal with specific situations between relationships, I could see that this is, this is separate to what I used to know in my life. And there's something unique in this. And this drew my attention, just like Charles was referring to when he came to Reto uh, 22 years ago, where he could see something different in the people. And the exact same thing happened to me. I could see something unique in the people around me. And this drew my attention. And it made me interested in what it is that they were following. So what I'm taking away from this is you offer a sense of community through a faith-based program. And my question is, what is lacking that we see such a massive increase in addiction, such an increase in people feeling helpless, yet so many of them have come from a family of, of religion. Why are people fighting religion? Why are they fighting what we have been raised as believing in, in respect of the way we conduct ourselves, our ethics, our morals? What is missing right now? I can, I can tell you that South Africa definitely is a very religious country uh, that, that most Africans would tell you that they do believe in something. Myself being one of those as well, four years ago. But then when I step out of the door of my house or I go around my normal daily routine, my conduct doesn't go hand in hand with what I'm saying. So my belief is, and it's from my experience within my heart, is that one needs a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There has to be something that is unique, not based on what you necessarily say, but in your daily, your daily living, it should be evident. So what I'm taking away once again is the importance of faith, the importance of belief, and I think the importance of family. I think that's what we seem to have lost along the wayside. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to talk to Charles more about what he's experienced in these 22 years, 11 years spent in Italy and in Spain helping addicts and then coming to South Africa, which has an exceptionally high um, crime rate, but more, more so a violent crime rate and whether or not at any time he's felt in danger. It's currently the 50th 
anniversary of a lot of things this year. It's the 50th anniversary of the Godfather movie, one of my all-time favorites. The 50th anniversary of the United States Supreme Court um, ruling on Roe v. Wade, which has now become very controversial in the United States. And it's also the 50th anniversary of a song I'm about to play you. The singer is the original, Anne Pebbles. It was covered by Tina Turner. It was covered by The Commitments. It was even covered by Seal. It's an absolutely amazing song. It's I Can't Feel the Rain. I can't stand the rain Against my window Bringing back sweet memories Yeah, when the rain Listening to the confidential brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Going to our social media line, um, and please, please drop your name when you when you send us a message. We can give you a shout out. It says, "I'm listening to Charles and Keen now. My son is at Reto at the moment. He's been on drugs for 18 years. He's there for seven months now. I finally have hope for my son's full recovery. Thank you, Reto. Well, thank you for tuning in and sending that message, Charles." Coming to South Africa 11 years ago, coming from Europe, I know you mentioned you spent time in Naples. Naples is a violent city. We know that. It's one of the most violent cities um, in mainland Italy. But South Africa is a different place altogether. Let's be honest. Violent crime, GBV, it's, it's at an all-time high and it's exacerbated by drug addiction. What have you personally experienced? What stories have you come across? And what have you seen in these 11 years that you've spent in South Africa? Chad, uh, 
really have seen a lot. But one um, experience that I will uh, ever remember uh, to account uh, whosoever want to know experience for my 11 years here it will be one particular one. No? Once we had a meeting, uh, we were some few months in, um, we came January, I think May, and uh, we had a meeting in our house. A concept, we were about three, four, five people. I mean, uh, we were very ignorant about the crime situation in South Africa, and uh, we parked our newly bought combi. In a combi VW, what they call a 2.1, yeah. living it there like us Europeans. There, no one still car, and uh, we left it there. Uh, just after the meeting, over 35 or 45 minutes, we came back. Uh, the combi is really gone. <laughs> Actually, I took it into a heart and I said, oh, no, I don't think uh, it might be a place that we should be. I wanted even uh, to pack back my things and uh, go away. Um, this might be the... the uh, moreover, I've been operating in shops. Uh, I've been... Uh, Assisting in our secondhand shops, you see a daily crime, daily stealing, a daily... I mean, yeah, we can say Italy is different, but then it's everywhere how the people also comport, yeah. Actually, this might be the most experience or most... Um, I don't know what to say, but then <laughs> this uh, actually still uh, nailed my, my heart, yeah. I don't have nothing concerning crime in South Africa, but then... Since ever, ever, I try as much as possible to be very careful as I walk uh, daily. Yeah. Keen, so when you have somebody come in to your program that has a history of criminal activity, is it worrying? Do you, are, you, are you perturbed? Do you worry about the safety of your other patients, your other, the, the, the volunteers? Or, or do you believe that by the time somebody's come to your organization, they're ready to make that change? We, uh, we do follow a procedure, but we can't say that we are partial and we, we separate groups from depending on your history. We know that every person, if there's a person that's seeking help, we, we reach out and we try and help where we can to the best of our ability. We, we trust that this organization, Jesus Christ has made possible and that he's given us the strength and the wisdom to do it in the right way. And we go forth and try and help wherever we can help. So, Keen, there's, there's problems in all communities, and all communities have outreach programs. But when it comes to addicts, don't you find there's addicts that reach out for help, but they're not truly looking for help. They're looking to perhaps buy time with their family. They're looking perhaps to make it seem to their community that they want to make that change. And they're just taking up the space of somebody who genuinely wants help. How do you identify who genuinely, genuinely, genuinely has reached the end of that torturous path and is looking for some form of redemption, finding their faith, finding their friends, finding their community and repairing the damage they've done with their family? Uh, it could be. Um, I'm not sure. I know for myself that for me it was a, a limited thing only. For me, it was a limited time that I was going to spend on, on trying to sort out my life. Uh, but it was, it was only once I could come to the full realization of who I was and that my life needed serious attention spiritually that I understood that it, this is a lifelong journey that I need to undertake. Um, whether people come with an alternative intention to what they voice, I'm not, I can't really say, but yes, I can say in my own experience, yes, I... 
My intention was different to what it is today. It was my intention was to do a limited period of time, and then from there I would see how it goes forth. Um, trying to maybe pursue a path I always thought I'd pursue, but today my life is completely different to what I thought four years ago it would be. Um, the people, for me, Chad, to be honest with you, if if, if someone comes and they see, they're seeking help, and I've been placed in a position to help someone, I would I would help the person to the best as I could. I believe that I've been given the strength and the, the understanding in a certain way to do this. And if people is seeking help, yes, it will be done. Charles, um, you, you, you speak very passionately, as does Keen, about your relationship um, with your Redeemer and your faith. I want to ask a generalized question because faith seems to be the cornerstone of a lot of um, recovery. People go into faith-based organizations, and they seem to find a sense of community. My question to you is why are we losing our youth to faith to begin with, whether they come from Jewish households, Christian households, or Muslim households? Why are we seeing these youth running away from their roots, running away from their culture, running away from their faith? See, I believe uh, in my experience, for instance, my mother used to go to church. She partake in churches, but then when she comes home, I mean, um, she has nothing to offer like a, a spiritual mother. Mm -hmm. I will be seeing her drinking. I will be seeing her with uh, my father, you know, fighting. Yeah. So this actually doesn't take our faith on to what our parents actually know. Yeah. So therefore, if uh, I don't see, but when I went to a, such a community, such a place, I saw that what they say goes according to what uh, they do. Yeah. I really became unaware that there's a, a something so special, so supernatural. Well, that's why I'm so happy to have, have welcomed you to Biyaka today and to have walked you through the building because this building offers so much to a community that's come together from the Jewish faith. And it offers the sense of community and the sense of outreach. And I think that's what's so missing um, in so many households, whether it's a Christian household, a Jewish household, a Muslim household. And like you said, people go through the process of spending one day professing to be religious or they will recognize some of the high holidays that, that are in their faith. And then suddenly they'll proclaim to be religious, but they don't live what their faith is all about. And therein lies a massive problem. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up and find out how we can assist organizations such as yourself. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. You're listening to Confidential Brief live on Chai FM, 101.9 FM throughout Johannesburg and streaming worldwide on chaifm.com. I told you at the beginning of this year that once a month we'd feature a non-profit organization from all walks of life, all faiths, all areas that's doing something to try change the communities. There's that old expression, it takes a village. Well, in our country, it takes Every single one of us, no matter our religion, no matter our orientation, we all need to come together as one and try help those. And this organization, Reto, has been around for many years. 
It's been around since the mid-1980s, was founded in Spain, operated throughout Europe, came to South Africa 11 years ago with Charles, who's sitting with us today, and has helped countless people on the road to recovery. Keen, what is recovery? Do people ever clean up completely? I went to, before, before ending up going to Reta, I went to seven rehabs, as you would call it, seven rehabilitation centers uh, over the course of uh, eight years. I would always leave there with clean from the drugs and the alcohol that I was abusing, but always with the same kind of mindset. If you, and uh, my mind and the things I was thinking about would be the exact same things I was thinking before I went in for any program. Where after 12 months I spent in Reto, I, I noticed that my, I was thinking of things differently. There was something that happened within my life that I, it's very difficult sometimes to even to explain. But my life has changed completely. And a change is possible if one really seeks for it. A change is really possible. But you have to be at a point in your life where you're completely desperate and you're completely open to receive something that is new. When you're in the point uh, in your life where you think, you know what, I've got this under control, I just need to get clean from the drugs, then you're going the wrong path. And I'm speaking from my own experience, being in so many rehabs, that it's not the right way to approach it. What, how you need to approach it, and I found it the best for myself, is that I need help in all aspects of my life. Not only am I a, a drug addict, but I'm also a liar, I'm also a thief, and I'm so many other things as well. I need something. And what I need is I need the forgiveness of God. I need the restoration in that. So Charles Keane raises a very important point here. Getting clean off the drugs isn't even half of the journey. It's not even a quarter of the journey. The journey is a change in life. A journey is being part of a community, a journey of self-discovery and more important, faith. I believe so. See, if we really conform to going to a rehabilitation program, it's the same as I was saying. I used to go to jails. I come back and I kept being the same person. I go to jail three months, four months. I will come with a, a new perspective. I'm not going to smoke, but then nothing could let me completely go clean. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Until I establish a true faith, a sincere faith in Christ Jesus, I've seen that, that test have completely gone. It's so very important that there's, there's a sense of community and we don't let people go. The problem is people get let down for so many years. Before you blink, a person's been an addict for 10 years, for 20 years. They've been in and out of rehab eight times, 10 times. How do you find it within yourself to forgive that family member, give that family member another chance, welcome them back into the family, welcome them back into the community, welcome them back into your respective faith? On that, I'd like to chat more about your organization's fundraising efforts. You have shops in Bononi, shops in Orange Grove. What are those shops and, and what do you use the funds for? We've got two stores. We've got a, what we would say, secondhand stores that's located in Orange Grove. And then we've got one in Bononi Town, which uh, we use to sell any donated items. So um, communities and people that support us and friends, we donate items to us. We would restore them. Those are the things that needs to be restored and then they get sold in the stores. The money acquired would be used solely for the work that we do. And that would be for the work within the community. It would be the support of the people that's there and for the, for the things that's needed. So all of those funds go straight back into the work we do. How many people currently under your care? 
We've got in the community in Benoni, we've got currently close to 80 people. 80? Yes, that includes families and that includes kids, children as well. Uh, being a community, you have people there as well that live there together. The families would stay separate from the, from the men and the men would stay separate from the women, so everyone would be separate. And do you, how, how do you know when somebody has genuinely changed from an addict to somebody who can contribute towards society? According to what I believe and what I've seen in my own life and in the lives of the people around me, it can only be seen in the conduct that they live. So, same question to you, Charles. I believe uh, it's, uh, when uh, sincere faith uh, mm. in Christ Jesus is being what uh, mm. disposing daily, you see. Uh, you see. How do people find out more about your organization, Keen? They can, in South Africa, they can contact us on 079-061-9116 or 079-703-9680 or they can go onto our website. And the website is? Uh, that would be www.association.org. So it will be Spanish. Okay. Yeah. I, I did read through it. It was in Spanish. It was quite difficult, but you can do a translate. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just, it's, it's very encouraging to see different faith-based organizations that are out there trying to make a difference. And for you to have a footprint in 36 countries, you must have helped tens of thousands of people over the years since the mid 80s and it's, it's it's really inspirational and i think the message that i tried to send out this year by supporting different organizations no matter their faith their orientation but having one goal in mind and that's to help those that really need help is the fact that we can't let go of where we come from we can never let go of our communities, of our faith, because therein lies a massive problem. Mm. That's when people become these lone wolves and they feel alone, they feel isolated. And an addict can quite, quite easily become a criminal or quite easily become a victim of crime and die. And that's simply because there wasn't, like Charles pointed out, that sense of, of oneness in the home unit from the outset. So thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you, Chad. Thank you for having us. We appreciate your time. And then the, the glory for us goes to Jesus Christ for the work of the lives that changed. Charles, you mentioned you're in other African countries at the moment. Let's close off by just mentioning those. Come again. You mentioned earlier in the show that you're not just in South Africa. You've expanded into other African countries. Oh, yeah. We are in Mozambique. We're in Tanzania and Morocco been since over 94, since 1994. In Africa-wise, this is where we've uh, now situated. So your base yeah. is South Africa and you've expanded into those other countries. Well, thank you for all the hard work you've done. You've stayed clean for very long. It's an inspiration to those that are out there. And if just one person listening to the show today um, understands the importance of community and of faith-based assistance, then our job is done. If it's just that one if there's more, <laughs> awesome. But if it's just one, that'll be great. Yes. Remember, Chai FM has a helpline. It will the, the, the jingle for the helpline will get played just now by Craig. Um, and if you do have any, any need for assistance, 0800-2424-36 is the toll-free number that you can always call if you need assistance. And it's not just a community-based helpline. Um, Chai FM will help anybody out there that needs assistance or guidance. To my guests, Keen and Charles, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, if you go to the Confidential Brief uh, radio page on 
Facebook. You'll see all the contact details for the organization, what the organization does. And again, thank you so much, Keen and Charles, for sharing your stories with us today. And uh, I'll be back same place, same time next week.